0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live, lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. This is The Christmas Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program. It is good to have your company. I hope you're well. Congratulations for finding TNT. There is nothing like this network, this global network, anywhere else on the planet. A 24-7 radio and television simulcast made up of broadcasters in several countries right around the world. Uh, We risk our own cancellation on a daily basis to tell the uncomfortable truth and, of course, fight for free speech. Now, I've got to start the program with some breaking news, and a lot of our listeners, viewers... We'll be extremely impressed and happy with what a judge has handed down in the jurisdiction of Queensland in Australia. Dozens of police and health workers, according to the Courier Mail newspaper, including paramedics, have won a mammoth legal battle over mandatory vaccination orders after the Supreme Court declared they were unlawful. Major victory. In a 115-page decision handed down by Justice Glenn Martin today, he declared Police Commissioner Katerina Carroll's direction for mandatory COVID-19 vaccination issued in December 2021 was unlawful under the Human Rights Act and banned her from taking any steps to enforce that direction. Now, Queensland of many of the states in Australia during the pandemic was so unlawful ultimately strict in terms of ensuring that those government workers could not work a day extra unless they had the vaccination. He also ruled that a similar order by John Wakefield, the Director General of Queensland Health's equivalent vaccination policy is of no effect and Mr Wakefield be blocked from forcing paramedics to have the injection. There are nurses and paramedics and doctors In this country, many of those in Queensland who do not work today because of these vaccination mandates, well, if they could use this particular ruling without challenge, they could ensure that large compensation sums fell into their pocket, which I thought would be justice. Seventy-four people opposing vaccinations took the state government to the Supreme Court to challenge vaccination directives. They were included in three separate applications before the court. We will follow that further during the uh, program today, and we'll endeavour to get some reaction to it. It is major news. Just repeating, if you've just joined us again, dozens of police and health workers, including paramedics, have won a mammoth legal battle in Queensland over mandatory vaccination orders after the Supreme Court declared they were unlawful. And I wonder whether there'll be a domino effect in other jurisdictions, territory states around Australia. Now, elsewhere in this edition, a huge development in the sudden and suspicious death of Russian opposition leader, Alexei Navalny. Now, I'll tell you about how close he was to being freed just prior to his death. And on top of all of that, the unseen interview in which Navalny canes the West, and this from a man of course who was created by the cia we'll get to that in the program first up my special guest today my tnt comrade and also canadian patriot matt errett will be on the show we will be dissecting the big geopolitical issues today including the latest developments in ukraine now after the nato chief announced yesterday that ukraine would become a nato member The French president is now talking about NATO troops inside Ukraine. As I said yesterday on the program, this is the perfect step to create World War III, which is exactly what none of us want, except, of course, the uh, military-industrial complex that wants more war, more death, as long as they can hide and enjoy their riches, Um, Meanwhile, I'll be very interested to hear what Matt has to say about Canada's latest multi-billion dollar donation to Ukraine. And you know why this stinks? It's not just because they've given multiple billions prior to this week, but they've got two million Canadians um, using food bank charity to survive. Like, where is the fairness? Where does charity start? Doesn't it start at home? I would have thought so. Matt Erich shortly on the program. Uh, We've got environmental economist Dr Alan Moran on the show too. He wants to discuss the incredible inefficiencies within the EV manufacturing market in 2024. Uh, He's got some data, which I think will blow your mind and make you wonder why they even make a single EV, let alone fleets of them. It's infatuation with EVs. It's all part of the green evangelism, and I'm telling you, it is unfounded. He's got plenty to say, too, on the latest negative comments from one of the richest men in the world about nuclear power. What planet is this bloke on? And the worldwide trend to slow down spending on carbon abatement and net zero policies. The green game is changing We'll take a close look at that as well. From down under today, we've got Liberal Senator Holly Hughes on the show. She'll be joining us from Canberra on a day in which the former Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, said goodbye. Um, There was a confession within that valedictory speech. There were some inspiring words on free speech and the weakness in politics, which I think might get a few of you calling the open line, and also a few tears as well from the outgoing Scott Morrison. So that is The Mud Map. And, of course, you can be part of the program at any time. You can be joining the conversation with whoever is on this particular show anytime. You can phone in from the US or Canada on 1-888-2016425. Phone in from the UK, 33 1026 And from Australia or New Zealand, the number's one 800 670 310, jump on. We don't bite. Don't be scared. Come and tell us what you think. You're with Chris Smith. We're broadcasting live on the Global News Talk Network, TNT.
0: Bringing you a world view. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Yeah, isn't it interesting in a news drenched, uh, techno focused world that some high profile politicians? can be at the center of debate and discussion, even weeks and weeks after they die, like it happens quite often. We see it uh, quite frequently. Well, it's happened again following the death of Russian opposition leader, Alexei Navalny. We hear today that according to a close ally, Navalny was close to being freed in a prisoner swap at the time of his death. It seems everyone's convinced, especially his family and supporters, that President Vladimir Putin had him killed. Maybe. Quite possible. But as I've said before on the program, that is way too obvious for me. And as I've said before, what is in that for Putin? Like seriously, what is in that for Vladimir Putin internationally? As for this now redundant path to freedom... The ally, Maria Pevchik, said talks about exchanging Navalny and two unnamed U.S. nationals for Vadim Krasikov, a Russian security service hitman in jail in Germany. They were in their final stages at the time of Navalny's death. Meanwhile, Sky News in the U.K. has released a video interview done with Navalny four years ago as part of an unaired documentary series after the fall. This has never been seen. There's there's just something, I've got to say, compelling about watching unseen interviews with people who've just passed, and that is certainly why Sky has spread this footage far and wide. Navalny spoke about his hope for a better future for his country, Russia, and the risks he knew he was taking. He keeps saying his country, and he said it many times in recent years, Navalny, but of course. His actions were in the interest of the United States, not in the interest of Russia. But I'll come back to that very shortly. He also spoke about how Russia was doomed under Putin and, uh, in an irony, hoped he would be interviewed on Putin's fate in 20 years' time. Here is the late Alexei Navalny.
2: I am an optimist. I hope that this 20 years of Putin is not set in stone. We weren't doomed to it. We weren't meant to go in that direction. The entire Putin elite is absolutely corrupt and it is absolutely colonially minded. They have moved all their families, their children, their assets to the West, and they treat our country as a free hunting zone, and that's exactly how it works. Those who try to resist, let's say, they face the consequences quite quickly. Russia is a European country. All the people who live here want to live like Europe. So I hope that ten years from now, if you interview me again, I'll be able to tell you how we managed to overcome the corrupt money laundering.
1: That will not be. It will not happen. He has now passed. In August that year, by the way, uh, he claimed he was poisoned whilst on a flight back to Moscow. He also had nothing positive to say about Britain and the West, who he said let Putin's associates get away with laundering unlimited wealth and constantly targeted he and his family.
2: The West does nothing at all, I would say. There are some ritual dances, but nothing really happens. Why do corrupt officials still live in London? Because these corrupt officials feed a huge number of wonderful London lawyers. These people, they will appear very civilised. We will be pleased to chat with them if they sit next to us. They will be wearing a tie and fine manners, and at the same time, they are serving the interests of utter, complete bandits.
1: Surprisingly, that's a rare dig at the West. He didn't often do that in the latter years. Um, And I should say, uh, you know, He has been sponsored by the CIA since the get go, since an early age. He was trained in the finer aspects of spying and destabilizing the Kremlin at Yale, and we know the connections between Yale in particular and the CIA. He has always been a Western controlled man who was promoted by the CIA in order to destroy Putin's reputation and keep him out of the elections. That was his job. But of course, he didn't succeed too well. In fact, Navalny, the CIA, the State Department and British intelligence tried to arrange dodgy elections in Russia during the Orange Revolution. That too fell over. That didn't work. Navalny was commissioned by the CIA to destabilise Russia and even thwart any move towards democracy. Contrary, of course, to the US administration's constant statements in favour of spreading democracy around the world, getting rid of authoritarian regimes, they did not want Russian people to be under democracy because that would have been a plus for Vladimir Putin. Former US Marine and Weapons Inspector Scott Ritter is no fan of Alexei Navalny. He, He is only recently.
0: Navalny was the man who wasn't proud of being Russian. Navalny is a man who sold out uh, in the worst possible way. He was a CIA asset straight up. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why he's so detested and reviled in Russia. He never had more than you know three to 5% support. He was never going to be a viable opposition leader, but his job was never to win an election. His job was to destroy democracy in Russia.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That's from Scott Ritter, who's done a lot more work on Navalny than I have. Navalny was always quick to appear on television documentaries. It doesn't matter who was putting together the, the documentary. He'd have his hand up and he'd be the chief procrastinator, sorry, the chief protagonist. Um, that was, of course, what the CIA taught him. you chip away, you know, bit by bit, brick by brick, until you bring down the regime. Well, the regime remains strong. That's the fact. Um, They've even been able to get through international sanctions. Putin is still in power, and Navalny, well, he's now dead. The record shows that Putin's most vocal critic collapsed and failed to regain consciousness on February 16. The UK's Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office paid tribute to Mr Navalny's life, exposing Russian corruption, apparently. It added, the UK has sanctioned 2,000 individuals, companies and groups under our Russia sanctions regime alone, while directly targeting Putin-linked elites in the UK through the National Crime Agency's combating kleptocracy cell. Corruption and kleptocracy will never be welcome on our shores. It's ironic that even the CIA's key public operative, Navalny couldn't lay a hand on Putin. He couldn't. And now look what NATO's up against. NATO is having the same trouble. Um, It might be smarter, you know, to admit defeat in this case and let Russia and Ukraine fight out their own territorial conflicts instead of creating the atmosphere, the environment for the next world war. This is TNT. TNT's Kate Shimarani.
2: They want you dead. It's a depopulation agenda. I hate to break it to you. The government are not your mummy and daddy. You are. Walk in authority. Take control of your own health. It, it's not the healthcare service, it's the homicide service. <laughs> That's what they're doing. From the minute you're born, They're injecting you. Actually, they're injecting you while you're in vitro now. It's about making you sick, keeping you sick, treating you, killing you, disposing you, and charging you for the luxury. And we don't want that. We want you to live a long and healthy life so that you too can look like Klaus-Anal Schwab of the world economic forum that bloke in the skin suit we can live forever we should be living till we're 120.
0: kate shamirani on today's news talk tnt a better business tip from tnt radio news talk radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format tnt radio listeners rely on tnt radio often as their primary source of information They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. Hey, good to have your company. There's plenty to get to. Uh, Saturday marked the second anniversary of Russia's special military operation in Ukraine. Can you believe it? Two years. Now, two years into the conflict, it should be clear that Russia still stands strong, yet the West continues to funnel in more weapons, more money, more of everything, risking World War III. On Monday, French President Emmanuel Macron said NATO troops in Ukraine can't be ruled out. And we will do everything necessary to prevent Russia from winning this war. Winning? So it's about winning and losing. It's about face only, is it? They don't want to lose face, the French. We know that that is a DNA instinct. That shouldn't be what this is about. It should be compromise at this stage to prevent any kind of world war and the killing of millions of people. Let's bring in Matt Errett live from Montreal, Canada, to discuss this and more. Matt is a journalist, founder and editor-in-chief of the Canadian Patriot Review, director at the Rising Tide Foundation and senior fellow at the American University in Moscow. He hosts the weekly Great Game on Rogue News and writes for strategic culture, Washington Times and The Cradle. Matt is TNT host of the Connecting the Dots with Matt Errett, it's a show which is on Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. U.S. Eastern Standard Time. Matt Errett, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me back on, Chris. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Can I just add something? Question without any notice whatsoever, but that breaking news I mentioned at the start of the program, dozens of police and health workers, including paramedics, have won a mass- massive legal battle in Queensland, Australia over mandatory vaccination orders after the Supreme Court declared they were unlawful. Now, they were as strict as any state in Australia during the pandemic to ensure that no one worked an extra hour if they didn't get the jab. And there are nurses and doctors and paramedics sitting at home today with their careers destroyed who will look at this and probably cry tears of joy. It is a major victory, isn't it?
3: it is incredible and i mean the 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 legal precedent that this sets is extremely important as far as so many people now who are seeking justice for mediation that they desperately need um this this precedent is very important we've seen other breakthroughs too in canada recently a federal a federal judge recently um made the the declaration that the Use of the Emergencies Act to crack down on protesters as well was unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Um, many people's lives were were wrecked. They're, they're not even they can't be hired uh, because of what was done to them. Bank accounts were frozen. Very dangerous precedents that were put into motion by Christia Freeland and, and Justin also, which they said they will use in future situations, will now be much more difficult to be used since now we actually have a federal uh, judge which has said that this was all un- anti-constitutional. So across the board, we could see these anomalies, very important breakthroughs um, in all parts of the world that have suffered under COVID and the, and the dictatorial regimes that were put into motion. So, yeah, this is this is quite incredible that this happened in Queensland,
1: of all places. Yeah, the COVID wall is starting to come down. OK, let's get mm-hmm. to geopolitical matters. How dangerous is Emmanuel Macron's suggestion of NATO troops fighting inside Ukraine?
3: Dear God, how insane. Um, and the idea, like you you pointed out, the absurdity of wanting to win when nuclear war is at stake and already over 500,000 Ukrainians have died unnecessarily in a in a pro, as proxies in a in a war between NATO and and Russia which Russia has been trying so hard obviously to provide or to find a peace plan on and even Hollande Macron's predecessor even admitted that the Minsk 1 and 2 uh peace efforts in 2015 16 or actually a giant sham. He admitted it with Merkel, both admitting that the uh, the, the very serious attempt to create a neutrality agreement for Ukraine that, that was part of the Minsk uh, agreements and simply recognized that Crimea is part of Russia. They had a plebiscite. Um, that was never serious. They never intended to honor any of those agreements. And they were always intending on arming and training Ukraine to use them as a weapon in a future war with Russia. And that's exactly what they did. So for Macron to come out saying what he's saying now
1: is the height of insanity. It's the height of insanity, but the world is not privy to the finer detail. And when I say the finer detail, I'm not downplaying the detail. The detail is as important as the world knowing that Russia has been fighting for two years. You've got to know what the background is. You've got to know why. Uh, Putin has done what he's done, but the world doesn't want to know.
3: No, they're they're, well, it's hard, right? When the mainstream um, narrative shapers are so tightly controlled by the Atlantic Council, by, by agencies like this that are tied to the CFR, that are tied to the CIA. I mean, Project Mockingbird never really ended. We were told it ended in the 70s when the church committee brought all of this to the surface, that the CIA had been controlling major media print and televised. And we were told that that ended, but it never ended. In fact, I would say it got a lot worse, now added to big tech uh, with social yeah. media and other platforms that are also part of this whole CIA hydra. It is it is difficult, but at the same time as I say that, I can't let people off the hook too much because at the same time we have an incredible amount of alternative media that people know exists. Mm-hmm. And if they do want to know the truth, they can listen to Putin in his own words now and listen to that Tucker Carlson interview, which is widely available. And it's as you said, there is a certain amount of willful ignorance uh to pretend that this reality is is somehow not discoverable. And and yeah,
1: that that we are complicit a little bit in our ignorance. Yeah. And the mainstream media needs to stop being complicit and tell the entire story. All right, I want to move on to Alexei Navalny. What are your thoughts on the death of Navalny? Um, and my words in that opening editorial. And of course, we now know what well, we alleged, allegedly think that he was about to be free. Uh, the words in that uh, documentary, which was released by Sky News in the UK in the last 24 hours was interesting. Mm-hmm. But having said all of that, this was a fellow created by the CIA and anything could have happened to him in that prison.
3: Oh, most certainly. I mean, it, what we can know, and I, I like I enjoyed Scott Ritter's analysis so far. I thought it was very spot on. Um, We can know that he has been a Western asset uh, since the 90s. Um, We can know that he was part of the Yale Exchange program. We can know that he received CIA uh, funding through the National Endowment for Democracy and other front groups uh, over many years. And we can also add the MI6 to that list as well. Um, We did know that one of his assistants was caught and filmed. In a restaurant in Moscow with a representative from the British embassy requesting something like 20 million dollars or something, essentially to advance more destabilization operations under the name of democracy inside of Russia. Mm. And that was, again, caught on film directly, which also played a role in uh, in him finding himself in jail in the first place. But what we can know, no matter what details are still unknown about the particulars of his death, um, it did not benefit Putin in any way. It did not benefit the Russian uh, the Russians in any way who are nationalist, and it only benefited those who wish to take the attention off of the very successful interview that Putin gave just two and a half weeks ago, mm. and which went viral over a billion views. That that really shattered the uh, the wall. Uh, that was built up over years by the CIA narrative shapers to convince the world that Putin is this baby-eating killer, and all of a sudden that was destroyed in one fell swoop. So we know that the the death of Navalny um, is is a very big detraction away from that reality. Uh, we know also that it was used to justify a massive increase of funding by Germany, of France, who poured in more billions, by Canada, who poured in more billions into supporting Ukraine with yeah. new military contracts. And we know that um, he probably died an unnatural death, uh, all things considered. Uh, we don't know the details, but I do know that he had visits from his lawyer as well as from his wife. Uh His wife having gone immediately to the Munich Security Conference and gave a very well-timed speech seconds after he died and who gave these people, you know, provided him snacks, medicines, things like that. So there's a whole variety of things that do have to be looked into very seriously. Okay, let me uh, put this to
1: you, Matt. Let me put this to you. Could Mm -hmm. it be a possibility or a probability that the very agency that groomed Navalny from the beginning the CIA had him killed. Yeah, I think he was definitely more more valuable
3: to many of these forces dead than alive at this point. He was certainly not going to get any political power as you pointed out very clearly in your editorial. He was not going to get political power his his effectiveness uh, in prison was was less than nil mm. and if he was removed from Russia in a prisoner prisoner exchange he wouldn't have had very much effect outside of Russia. He would not have been allowed to go back in if that were if that had been affected, if that's true. So the best value that one could have gotten for their investment at this point, and a lot, a lot has been invested in creating the thing known as Navalny, was to eliminate him. Mm.
1: I want to talk further about Russia. I want to talk about the deep state within Russia in just a second. I've got to get to news. I'll be back with you, Matt Errett, in just a short moment. Let's get a news update for you on TNT. I
0: got a news flash for you.
1: TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. France has announced a new coalition which will supply Ukraine with longer-range missiles and has refused to rule out sending ground troops into the country. Beijing has warned Washington's latest round of sanctions against Russia and its partners, including China, threaten the world order. And Sweden will become NATO's 32nd member after Hungary's parliament ratified the Nordic nation's application to join the military bloc on Monday.
0: The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then... Dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Oh. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNT live
1: I've got Matt Ehritt with me now. Another question without notice. And as you probably heard in that news update, Matt. Ah, uh, Hungary has decided. Its parliament has decided that Sweden can be allowed to join NATO. What are the implications of that, given their proximity to Russia? It it's uh, terrible.
3: I mean, we already have Finland, um, which has been in, initiated into uh, NATO, expanding NATO's perimeter or border on uh, on Russian territory by a factor of like a thousand kilometres. Uh, Sweden, very uh, very much, uh, it's right next door. I mean. I don't think it's as big of a deal in the sense of i don't i can't see anything similar to what i see in ukraine or in georgia as far as a more militaristic um movement that's been maintained over decades that glorifies nazism and nazi collaborators of world war ii um against big bad soviet russia Um, That, I mean, obviously a lot of work has been done to maintain uh, things like right sector, pravi sector. There's Georgian militia members as well who are very virulently anti-Russian, pro-Nazi. And uh, these things are very dangerous. Um, I don't see something similar in Finland or Sweden. So I can't imagine something like what we have seen unleashed in the case of Ukraine. There are Nazi skeletons in Sweden's closet, Uh, Sweden. Did have major major operations uh, within it that collaborated with the Nazis during World War II, and mm-hmm. these have gone unresolved. Many of the leading factions were never punished in Nuremberg. Um, who ran the you know Swedish ball bearings that per, that per supplied eighty percent of the ball bearings to a German the um, German Wehrmacht. So um, I, I do see obviously it's a great threat to have NATO missiles or owned by the United States uh, hosting nuclear warheads. As part of the full spectrum dominance on uh, in, uh, cir- encircling Russia, that's terrible.
1: So I, I don't know, but it's it's certainly not good. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought so. Now you've got some interesting recent analysis on the roots of the Russian deep state. What is the Russian deep state, and what has Putin done to battle it over the last two decades? Well,
3: the the. The Russian deep state, just like any deep state, has, I, in my view, approximately three primary categories. On the one hand, you have the old families, some of the older bloodlines that uh, can trace their continuity back to the days of Rurik, um, many of whom back in the 19th century were very much in opposition to the liberation of the serfs under Alexander II. Many of them were behind the terrorist operations that were deployed to kill Alexander II and the third, and many other. Russian uh, leaders who are much more progressive, wanting to modernize, wanting to free the slaves, the serfs. Um, So there is that fact, that element, many of it, much of it did lose its control during the Bolshevik Revolution, but a lot, some of it did stay back. So there is an element of that. You have the technocrats that were brought in, in the 1990s especially, who are largely of a cybernetics orientation. People like Anatoly Chubai, Yegor Gaidar, the, the Soros young Russian reformers. That were trained in the West and then brought in to oversee with Strobe Talbot and uh, you know, the Rhodes Scholar, uh roommate of Bill Clinton, who oversaw the perestroika policy of mass privatizations that was done under the 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 control of a, of a bunch of Western leaning IMF committed uh Russian-named technocrats. And then you have the building the billionaires. So the technocrats, some of them um have been taken down, some of them are still in influential positions. Alexei Kudrin was recently uh, removed from his last position of uh, as the head of the Russian Chamber of Commerce, thank God. But there are still some that are still there that are, that are an issue. I think some of them have control of the Russian Central Bank, which has been keeping the Russian Central Bank much more obedient to the IMF and World Trade Organization protocols, which is not good. And then, of course, you have the billionaires. Um, the billionaires being many of those who enriched themselves in the 90s when everything was privatized and a select grouping of individuals who were known for their sociopathic mafia you know oriented bent were granted the rights assisted by western um oligarchs to buy up Rosatom, atom all of the different state-run enterprises which putin went to war with uh, essentially the, the first few seconds he got power in the year 2000 Um, Some of whom went to jail if they didn't want to abide by the new rules of the game, which would be that you can keep your money, but you now have to abide by not Western directives, but the directives of the Russian state and the Russian nation. And if you don't, you can go to jail like uh, Mikhail Khodorkovsky, Uh, or you can um, seek exile if you want to avoid jail like Berezovsky did, who recently also not recently, but who also died under very mysterious circumstances in London, which became sort of the Russian uh, the Russian home of the oligarchs, um, which is where sanctuary was given to many of them, and many of them we found turned out more useful, like Navalny, dead than alive, mm. finding themselves now back in the in the home of their handlers and living in their London mansions. Um, people like Skripal or or Berzovsky or there's a, there's a few others would uh, end up, you know, dead. And of course, then that would be used by British intelligence to blame on, on Putin, who had no interest in killing these people because they were out of his hair completely. But that would then be used to justify more sanctions against Russia going back to the year 2008 even. So these are all factors. And some of the Russian oligarchs, some of the Russian technocrats fell into line and uh, started behaving like uh, like citizens so that's good but there's been an effort to domesticate this beast for a while or, or extract it completely they've done a better job than we have that's for sure here in the the transatlantic uh, basket mm. case
1: like all deep state networks it's such an intricate web isn't it it's very well explained thank you for that now sure. i want to go back to ukraine canada's prime minister justin trudeau visited vladimir zelensky in kiev over the weekend to mark the second anniversary of the conflict and he did so by committing way more military aid once again. Have a listen to this.
2: Whether it's the uh, security agreements we're signing today, whether it's passing the modernized free trade agreement uh, in Canada, um, we will continue to be there with you as long as it takes, with everything it takes until
4: Ukraine wins. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you for all days that you are here with us in Ukraine. Uh, for these two years. Your society, thank you, and your own support is really very important and very strong. And We are thankful for this, uh, your long trip, but your coming today is a great Mm signal for us. Thank you so much. And uh, you mentioned about the document. We are very happy with this document. This is one of the strongest ones. So thank you so much that we can count on you. Thank
1: you. There's that American phrase again, Matt, as long as it takes, and he calls it a security agreement. In other words, I'm writing you a big, fat check. Why does this yeah. disappoint you?
3: <laughs> what a mess, eh? Um, well, I mean, on, on so many levels, uh, Canada is obviously home to far too many people. Um, Ukrainian expats who have a very uh, glorified view of the Nazis, unfortunately. And um, that's part of what is behind some of the words that we just heard, Christia Freeland's voice. I could hear her voice behind what, sounding like Justin Trudeau um, in his remarks there was Zelensky, her, her, her own grandfather having been a high-level Nazi collaborator in Ukraine during uh, Mikhail Chomiak, who ran some of the biggest news agencies in uh, Ukraine during World War II, rounding up Jews and Slavs and Poles and gays uh, for execution. So that was, um, th- there's that. And the other thing is that Canada's economy is is, is collapsing. I mean, our, our people are suffering. We're going through medical-assisted suicide that is expanding leaps and downs. 4.6% of all deaths of last year were medical-assisted suicide, which has nothing to do with caring for people, but rather saving money. Uh, because baby boomers are retiring and they're looking for excuses to find ways to kill off baby boomers by making their lives so unpleasant, miserable and making their their deaths so affordable um, that that becomes preferable. So it's about balancing the budget. We have two million Canadians living off of food stamps every month. Um, We've got tent cities, uh, drug addicts as drugs are being legalized, ruining more people's lives. Much of this is being subsidized by taxpayers and the government providing Free heroin fentanyl for addicts, as far as as far as the uh, Soros harm reduction policies that are completely embedded in the Canadian government are concerned. So they're consciously ruining people's lives, making it then easier for you to kill yourself, and bringing Canadian war veterans who had to defend drug cartels and 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 laboratories in Afghanistan, which was supplying ninety percent of the world's heroin. We've had these Canadians who are in the Hellman province not fighting terrorism but defending drug fields opium poppy fields and laboratories coming back broken people and then being told well here now that you're broken we'll give you more drugs and then when that uh runs its course you can die um so you know it's it's to say that we have three billion dollars to throw more more money at ukraine at the ukrainian meek writer when that's
1: happening it's just disgusting it is disgusting it is disgusting mm. now you've just written an article titled "How." Canada's Liberal Party was infiltrated by misanthropic technocrats. Um, The tyranny in Canada goes back a fair way, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, in
3: that article, I I make the point that we have to go back to the purging of the pro-development liberals of the 1950s. Um, people like C.D. Howe. Uh, we, we had a, a spectrum of real anti-Malthusian um, citizens, statesmen in the Canadian government during and after World War II who were part of the Liberal Party. And unfortunately, um, there was a viral takeover of that party, a purging of all of the pro-development people. Um, I, I go through some of those elements inside of that article and my book series that tells their their tale. And the entire uh, technocratic, what, what was known as the uh, the quiet revolution first in Quebec in the early 60s, brought in a new technocratic elite. And then it was replicated on the federal level in 1968 with uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who was a, a child of this operation. And this was all steered from London. Um, as I go through in the article, this was begun by, by a series of conferences, the first being in the 1920s in Port Hope with a leader of the Canadian roundtable movement named... Uh, Forgot his name all of a sudden, uh, but the the roundtable movement ushered in this idea of turning Canada into a much more controlled technocratic priesthood managed by a managerial elite that would be more beholden to um, London and the British Empire's interests, uh, which also had deep penetrations into the American deep state as well, as we know, through the Council on Foreign Relations. Um, and that interface always to overthrow people like Baker, many other leaders in Canada who during the t- you know, 60s wanted to break free and, and have a real independent country. Uh, they were taken down. And in the case of Australia, you also had Gough Whitlam, who uh, resisted this whole Five Eyes apparatus um, and was punished by being fired by the governor general. We had similar stories in, in Canada's history, and that leads us all the way to what brought in Justin Trudeau, Chrystia, and that whole ca- grouping under a, a certain think tank. I I go through in, in some length in that paper.
1: Yeah. I... uh implore our viewers and listeners to go and read that. Where can they read some of your material, Matt? Best place.
3: Um, My Substack, .substack mattheweric.substack.com and also canadianpatriot.org.
1: Fabulous. Thank you very much for your time. I've run out of it, unfortunately. And uh, with that breaking news in reference to the Queensland Supreme Court, I do want to cover the details of that very shortly. So thank you very much for your time. We'll talk again. All right. Take care. Good on you, mate. Thank you, Matt Errett. Uh, his show, Connecting the Dots with Matt Errett, uh, can be heard Saturdays from 11am until 2pm US Eastern Standard Time. We'll be back after that to look at that major Supreme Court announcement. We'll go through what it means and whether the precedent could establish some sort of unlawful ruling elsewhere in jurisdictions around Australia and maybe even around the world. We'll do that right after a break on TNT.
0: Military families
3: often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad.
1: Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good
0: book. United Through Reading provides that connection.
4: You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're
3: really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free
0: secure app at unitedthroughreading.org.
5: I'm CAL FIRE Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez, and normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires, but given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, Please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood, as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov.
0: This is The Christmas Show on today's
1: News Talk, TNT Radio. During that conversation with Matt Errett, he raised the idea that Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin's interview must have changed minds because it was quite obvious what Putin's motivation was. And you're right, if people are exposed to that and go and look for something like that, they can learn a little bit more about the background of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. But as Tim, one of my listeners, viewers, has said on the chat box on TNTradio.live, Chris, I've sent the link to the Tucker Carlson Putin interview to about 20 of my friends. Every one of them have refused to watch it. They do not want to hear it. They make their minds up, they become blinkered, and they don't want to know the other side of the story. I would have thought it doesn't matter what you do in life, whether it's war, politics, your own relationship, you've got to see and hear from the other side. All right. As I mentioned at the very start of the program, some breaking news: dozens of Queensland police and health workers, including paramedics, have won a mammoth legal battle over mandatory vaccination orders after the Supreme Court declared they were unlawful. I wanted to bring in Charles Kovis, uh, practicing. Tax law for twenty years. Charles has then successfully changed career in 1993 to become Australasia's passion provocateur. For the last thirty years, he's provided services as a professional speaker, facilitator, executive coach, and author, and a whole heap more, especially in the COVID field. He's a fellow TNT presenter, and he joins us now. Charles, thank you very much for your time. Chris, great to be with you, isn't it? This is a big issue. Wow. Not only an issue, but what a victory. It's a clear victory for those
4: who took up um, the case to the Supreme Court, isn't it? Absolutely. And the act of governments acting unlawfully and contrary to our human rights is crucial. Now, when you look at what we're facing with the refugee issues, you know, and the government's allegedly interested in human rights, the human rights of Queensland workers and many workers around Australia were trashed. And, you you know, we have to say this is a Queensland Supreme Court case, but it's an important case. Don't you dare trash human rights. And what this is going to do is lead to the awakening of people to say, no, governments cannot do what they want to do on a whim.
1: At the time, during the pandemic, there was a large number of Australians who went out into the street against government orders to protest about mandates in particular. Um, It was career-breaking. It was dangerous to do what they did, we were told, et cetera, et cetera. They've
4: been right all along, Charles. They have been right, and, and they've lost their jobs and they've struggled. I'm involved in a number of cases, so I moderate four global meetings a week on on these issues of protecting people's human rights. These people, and, and I'll give you another example, Chris, of Virgin staff who lost their jobs because they refused. And the, and the judge in this case talked about the coercion of being forced to take this medical intervention. It is contrary to the Nuremberg Code, and these people, the, the AMBOS. The police, the is, and by the way, these mandates still apply in Victoria, where I am. It is just a great testimony to their courage. They then had to go and door knock literally for funding for the case, and they put their own lives, many of them have sold houses. Now, I don't know specific cases here, but right around Australia, people have had to sell their homes mm. because they refused to have these jabs that were unlawfully declared, you know, the, and and this this understanding this, I urge everybody watching this to understand that we do have rights and that the government only gets its power from us, the people. We forget that. We keep thinking, remember, these politicians are our servants. The bureaucrats are public servants and they these people have no power except from us via the Queensland Constitution, via the Australian Constitution, and then the politicians acting in accordance with law and the bureaucrats and the judge, I've read I've read much of the 115 pages, Chris, that came out today of right. I've, I've scanned, I've scanned it. Now it means you know the these orders were revoked. So people go, you know, I've spoken to another barrister who said oh this is a Pyrrhic victory. No it's not. This is a crucially important victory because the judge in the 115 pages has gone through the principles that apply. And Chris, the other thing to note, and I hope you get them on your show, is the human rights organisations in Australia. Let's take Queensland, but they're also right around Australia. The the lawyers who joined this human rights organisation pulsing about, about human rights, none of them came out about the attack on human rights that these Queensland, these courageous Queensland people stood up against. Human rights organisations absolutely failed. They kowtowed to the government. And I was looking at the front page
1: of the Courier-Mail this morning, before this story broke, of course, and there was a story there about a nurse being told that because she didn't take some kind of booster associated with COVID-19, she couldn't go to work. This is
4: happening in 2024. They're nuts, aren't they? That, that is exactly right. And you touched on Matt Errett, who, who I know, and, and his conversation around Putin. And there's a beautiful Chinese saying that I quote often in my in my seminars, to be uncertain can be uncomfortable but to be certain is ridiculous. And to be certain that Putin is bad, USA is good. To be certain that boosters are good and refusing them is bad. This behaviour by these government functionaries, these literally technocrats, and the judge touched on this in the judgment. He said, oh, well, the Director General of Health said I was told to do this. The judge rightly pointed out, no, just because a technocrat, just because a scientist says we should have these boosters, you must take into account the impact on people's lives. And they resolutely fail to do that, just like Dick... Dan, I call him, dictator Daniel Andrews in Victoria. He said, "Oh, Brett Sutton, the chief health officer, and Jeanette Young in Queensland. says we're talking about Queensland, oh well, the, the the experts told me to do this. That is absolute abrogation of their duties and a breach of their oaths of office that they will uphold the law. And we see, have to a hold." That's a very them- interesting
1: point. That is a really interesting point. And I've said many times that what politicians need to do is take advice from their bureaucrats and make decisions based on other issues that occur to them outside of the medical sphere. Now, if they'd have done that, a lot of what was told to them and insisted upon by medical officials would not have been carried out, but they didn't. They used the advice they were getting from the health department officials, and that was not to be negotiated. That was not to be compromised. And that was their... Such a weak way
4: of leading their state, wasn't it? Absolutely. And and not, w- even worse than that, Chris, they listened to their experts and as a lawyer. So I graduated from Melbourne University in 1973. So I've been deeply involved in law for over 50 years and I've been a legal strategist helping. I'm not practicing as a lawyer, but I have been involved in understanding the harm caused by other vaccines so when this news broke in March of 2020 I knew what was going to happen here well guess what as a lawyer what's actually happened with these experts giving advice to the bureaucrats to the to the Jeanette or the Jeanette Youngs giving this advice these bureaucrats are actually half rate experts they're not even top of the tree mm. and guess what Chris? Did the government say, now, we've heard your opinion, now we're going to get another expert? This is like running a court case, only listening to the plaintiff, and the judge says, I've heard enough now, exactly. I'm not going to listen to the defendant.
1: Spot on. That is a really great description of what occurred
4: in every jurisdiction, and I should say, right around the world. Um, and not I, one, Chris, not one debate, not one debate in Australia or around the world was facilitated by government to say, well, let's have a debate of the experts. Not one. And I say that shows evil, corrupt intent. And I call on governments to explain why they didn't allow the experts disagreeing with their half-rate experts to be given airtime.
1: I made the point with Matt Era a short time ago that I got the feeling that the wall, the COVID wall was starting to crumble. And I might mention of today's decision, which is major in the context of Australia, at least, but also too in the context of what we heard during the week last week, which was the New Zealand study that looked at 99 million cases and have concluded this is a mainstream study and concluded that there were more observed illnesses associated with taking the jab than there were expected illnesses. So in other words, it was making people sicker and killing people more than what they even predicted
4: that's that's precisely correct and and the, the global meetings that I run four times a week, that evidence is overwhelming, and the mainstream media refuses to cover it, and that's why TNT radio, it is so important because these issues must be covered and the problem is that pharmaceutical companies give too much money to the mainstream media for their advertising and their whole game plan. They don't want to cover it. These jabs, don't call them vaccines, these COVID jabs are deadly. And guess what's going to come from this case, Chris? The fact that the mandates were unlawful. So a person who, you know, they, they now say, the judge said, well, they've been revoked, but it's still not, the, it's not theoretical. You can take no disciplinary action against any of these people, so it's relevant to their future. But there's also another issue, that there are people dying and people permanently injured, and you just have to go to Jab Injuries Australia, everybody, com, I think, run by Matt Jordan doing great work. He's got massive stories about people whose lives have been destroyed. Well, guess what? If your life is destroyed by an unlawful direction, there is consequences to pay for government. Okay,
1: let me ask you one final question. I'm right up against news. What are the ramifications of this for other jurisdictions in Australia? And second question, is there a compensation suit coming
4: because of the decision out of the Supreme Court today? On the latter question, yes, there will be. On the former question, I just want to say this is a state piece of legislation, Human Rights Act, and it's a single judge of the Supreme Court, so these bastards are likely to appeal. appeal. without money with our money because they, this is just a game to them, it's not their lives to them. And bear in mind that big business hasn't suffered, it's small to medium enterprises and individuals who are suffering, but it is there, the, the judge has done a masterful job in analysing the law. That analysis, which also includes federal Australian law and decisions from all around Australia it will be relevant to every single interpretation of human of state human rights legislation and states that don't have it, this judgment will be helpful in unpacking Commonwealth human rights legislation. And mark my words, Chris, they are real. And now that the people are waking up, judges respond to the fact that people are waking up. Yeah, very true. Good summary. I've got to leave you
1: there, Charles. Thank you very much for joining us at Late Notice. Much appreciated. Pleasure, Chris. Well done. Thanks. Good on you. Charles Cobus, who's been right into this from the get-go. This is a major victory, and we'll discuss it further in the program. Got to go to news, and then when we come back, we'll catch up with Senator Holly Hughes and also Dr. Alan Moran. We'll talk about green evangelism once again. This is Chris Smith on TNT.